This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP, the federal leader in retirement planning seminars, sponsored by WEPA. Join NITP for an hour of plain talk on planning your future. You've got questions, they've got answers. Welcome to the August 2nd, 2021 For Your Benefit radio show. We're here today to talk about finance and estate planning lessons from the pandemic. And who best to lead us in that discussion are the Schaefers. Karen Schaefer, Certified Financial Planner. Megan Schaefer, Estate Planning Attorney. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Well, great great to have you here. And <clears throat> for those of you that are not sitting in the booth, we can see each other. So it, it adds a certain um, um, cohesiveness. So as financial planners and, and uh, attorneys specializing in estate planning, what do you find that you had to teach or what did you find that people learned from the pandemic that maybe helped them or misconceptions about maybe that would not be detrimental to them? Well, it's what we learned actually as professionals that was the first big eye-opener, Bob, that um, first of all, it's not all bad news, right? The, the pandemic for an awful lot of people was a wake-up call that, hey, planning does work and planning can stave off an emergency. We, I'll be the first to admit, I never wrote a financial plan that said, and when we get a pandemic, here's your strategy, right? But it was also so gratifying to know that even though Chicken Little was right, the sky was falling all around us, the financial plans were working. That the stock market's dropping 30%, but everybody's still getting to retire. Everybody's reaching their goals. Nobody's crawling out of retirement and hoping to find a job in a pandemic. Because while we didn't really plan for a pandemic, we planned for building in some flexibility, right? I'm, I've always been able to admit out loud without apologizing, I'm a planner, not a psychic, right? I, I don't have a crystal ball. So you just play through different scenarios and you get ready for um, leaving a little wiggle room in there. The people who really, obviously this was a financial tragedy for an awful lot of people, but they were the people who weren't on the train yet for financial planning. And they, you know, they already had credit card debt and then they lost a little income and it was a disaster. The, the, the data on the, the people who were struggling with paying off their credit card debt and, and weren't making any payments at all, they weren't planning ahead of time. So we learned planning. It works. We just say got to get out there more and, and get more people sooner on that plan. And the other, Megan learned a lot. The state planning attorneys um, also learned that planning for incapacity was as important, if not more so, than planning for death. You had some incredible stories. I, I really did. But I, I agree with Karen when she says that, um, you know, our most vulnerable clients that I had that had done the planning already, they were protected throughout all of this. The planning that was in place did work. I have a number of elderly clients that don't have many contacts with the outside world to begin with. Either they don't have much family or they don't have many resources in place, but the planning that they did have made it work. And so even though they became even more isolated in many ways, um, they were they were taken care of and they were okay and they're still in a good place. Unfortunately, we, we saw the flip side of that too, where our, our vulnerable clients that hadn't quite taken the steps yet to get a plan in place just fell into a worse and worse position. And it was really, really tragic to see. One of the interesting things that I really saw though is I loved how much this pandemic has brought out everyone's inner zombie apocalypse planner. <laughs> and as a planner, I really love seeing that in my clients. And one of um, the, the huge lessons that I think clients learn across the board is that we, we need to have this plan in place and we can't wait for 
the the diagnosis for the the horrible event to happen we need to be proactive in and putting these plans in place and and as professional planners this is something we've always encouraged people to do but i have seen more and more people sort of on their own without me having to prompt them start to come to this awareness a fascinating part that i've seen from the professional side is how individuals and how courts have had to manage without having face-to-face -face meetings anymore. We still, there are a lot of legal issues that come up. There are a lot of things that have to get done that have to go through the court systems. And when we can't go into court in person, when we can't sign documents in person, how do we get that done? And we've actually had judges need to make rulings of okay, we need to get powers of attorney, we need to get a will in place, and can the notary be on the other side of the window from the person who has been diagnosed with COVID and now wants to sign their estate planning documents? So this has actually gone before judges, and to me it's, it's fascinating that there were temporary rulings in place that said this can be done through a glass window. Um, so we can we can have our legal witnesses and, and signings, um, even with someone who has already received the diagnosis and has to stay isolated and quarantine. It was just really, it, yeah. I mean, no, nobody envisioned that happening, but um, I, I loved how, um, it, because it was such a massive uh, pandemic around the world that decisions got made. There was no, let's punt on this one and think about it until next week. We, we've got to figure out how to keep the world going and we've got to figure out how to keep these um, documents going or um, the, we're, we're running out of choices. And I think a lot of that, that will stay with us, just like Bob, you and I were talking about how we're doing more and more of our training um, through webinar. Um, we had to get really good at Schaefer Financial to uh, um, talk, have very, very personal uh, conversations through a computer screen, where before you used to think, well, I can only really be empathetic with my client or effective um, with my client if it's face-to-face, because -face, I have to read their body language, or I have to give them a moment to pause and collect their thoughts so that they'll really tell me what the heck's going on. Well, guess what? We learned how to do that through a, a computer screen to a point where it's almost better people a little more relaxed. They didn't drive around the beltway. They didn't um, have to be stressed about, I got to go pick up the kids. Um, that attire is casual, beverage your choice, a little off screen perhaps, but we could talk to one another in ways that um, encourage much better decision-making. You know, you think about it, um, how nervous everybody was in February or March of last year. We had no idea how long this was going to last who was gonna get it. Remember when we thought the pandemic was so contagious um, that you had to wipe down your groceries and that um, we had no idea that they could develop a vaccine that quickly. And it was terrifying. Well, take that fear and uh, about a pandemic and it bleeds into all your money decisions. It bleeds into all of your interpersonal um, decisions. And we really had to slow people down and point out that the economy is not the stock market. The stock market is not the economy. Fear is not a decision, right? Fear is an alert. Let's talk about what you're really afraid of. And it was really reassuring to find ways to get terrified people to take a deep breath, exhale everybody, and look, your plan's still on track. You're still going to be fine. I love that saying, fear is not a decision, fear yeah. is an alert. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So, but it, it, because we, it, fear, it, it just pulses through you, right? If, um, uh, but it just tells us we got to, we have to now look for where the decision is. So, so uh, with regards to your plans, the financial plan first, the legal second, um, did you build anything into an, an agreement that you had with the client that wasn't there before the pandemic? So a couple things happened. You know, we were very fortunate, Bob, and it, I, I know it was the case for you as well. We worked through the whole thing. We kept our, our jobs, as did most of our clients, the federal government employees. And so we had something 
that we didn't know was gonna last for a long time, but it was extra cash flow, right? Where nobody's commuting, nobody's going to sporting events, nobody's, um, all right, so maybe we're ordering in a little bit and Zoom wine tastings got a little pricey at our house. But for the most part, there was this wonderful opportunity to actually uh, reboot your relationship with spending and your relationship with um, your money. It, you know, kind of a lot of people, we set it and forget it. Well, now it was like, who would you like to be generous with? Or what would you like to have at the end of the pandemic for when the world opens up again and you want to do something really fun? And it, um, do we really need to be spending money on all this busyness after we come out of the pandemic? Um, there's an awful lot of people who have rethought what their highest priorities are when it comes to money. And, um, and that, that was something I never, never really anticipated having an opportunity. You know, usually you talk about cash flow with a young person who's just getting going, you build in all the, you know, pay yourself first and don't spend, uh, don't make yourself house poor and, you know, just pay off your credit card, some real basic stuff. And then it goes to autopilot. Well, it was really fun to talk to a 50 year old who all of a sudden had a thousand dollars a month that they could do something with and reminding them, you know, you don't have to save everything. Tomorrow's not promised. Let's do, let's be generous or let's have a little fun or let's build toward a, maybe you want to retire earlier um, kind of a goal. It was a reboot in many ways. I think this is a good time for a break and we'll come okay. back from the break and we'll focus in on the legal side of all this. But um, um, we got the finance okay. kind of sort of, and we're going to do the legal and then we'll get into planning. Never underestimate your needs when purchasing life insurance. There are important factors to keep in mind like future expenses and lifetime economic value. WEPA not only offers group term life insurance for civilian federal employees, but walks you through the important questions you need to ask yourself while reviewing your policy options. Life insurance is a conversation worth having. Why not have it with WEPA, serving civilian feds and their families since 1943. Visit WAEPA.org today. Life can be unpredictable. Stay prepared with coverage from WEPA. Civilian feds can apply for up to $1.5 million in life insurance regardless of their salary. Explore new products including group short-term disability insurance, where you can apply for benefits up to $6,500 a month to replace income while recovering from a covered short-term disability. WEPA will help shape your policy to meet your changing needs. Visit WAEPA.org today for coverage exclusively for feds by feds. All righty. Welcome back to the show. And we talked financial with uh, great thought process and whatnot, but <clears throat> we need to hear something about on the estate planning side. Um, so, Megan, the spotlight yes. is on. So, Bob, I, I really love how much this pandemic has gotten people to think about their own mortality. And as an estate planning attorney, I am I am very used to the death and dying conversations. And I know that everyone isn't, and I know that's not something pleasant, but I think that anytime we bring that a little bit more into our daily conversation, we're in the long run doing a very good thing, not only for ourselves, but for our families and for our loved ones. One of the things I'd like to tell my clients is that it's so important to have these documents in place, but the documents are only part one of this process. We also need to be having the conversations with our loved ones, with the people in our lives. I, I call them our decision makers. Who are going to be the people that are in charge of managing our assets when, as we become elderly, if we become incapacitated, once we pass away, the, the, who's going to be that person in charge? First of all, do they know that they're up at bat if something happens to us? Have we had that conversation with them? And also, are they prepared for that job? When eventually something happens to me, you know, in my case, if something happens to me, it's, it's, um, my, my spouse who has to make all those decisions. Well, my spouse knows all of my finances and generally knows where my bank accounts are and things like that. But if something happens to both of us, well, then it's my sister's job to sort through all that paperwork. And so then the question becomes, my, well, my sister knows that I have a bank account, but does she know where that right. bank account is? 
Or is she going to be put in a position where she's calling every bank in town saying, hey, I think my sister may have had an account here. And it's always fascinating to me how quickly our credit card companies find out that we've passed away. And you know who never really takes the time to reach out to the families of loved ones are things like our life insurance policies or my savings account is not the bank that I do my banking with, they're not going to make efforts to reach out to my family and my loved ones to just check in to make sure I'm still alive. Because, <laughs> so if, if my family doesn't know where I, what financial institutions I work with, there I've had many cases where we have to get per, private investigators involved right. just to, to figure out where these assets are. And so one of the things that when people come to me and they say, Megan, you know, what's what's the big planning part of this? Um, I I do. I say make a list of your assets. It doesn't have to be PIN numbers or account numbers, and but it needs to be a list of the financial institutions that you work with, the contact information of your professional advisors, and how to get in touch with those people, and make sure your decision makers know how to do that. Right. Also. Talk to both the older and the younger generations. Make sure that the people who will be acting on your behalf, the younger generation in most cases, make sure they know everything they need to know to, to get the job done. And the same that is true, ask up as well. Ask to parents if, if you still have parents or the, the elderly people in your life. Do they have the plan in place? Do you have all of the information you need to be able to act on their behalf. I love how much this pandemic has brought those types of conversations more into mainstream and more families are talking about that around the dinner table. I grew up with, with two parents being planners. It was regular, still is regular dinner time conversation at our house to talk about, so if I die tomorrow, this is what's going on. And I'm thinking about changing who my son's guardian is. How do you feel about that? Um, nothing personal, sis, but I'm not sure I want him living in Texas. So it's, it's a lot of, um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, I call it the, um, we, we've just had this wonderful opportunity to do our pandemic paperwork. You know, last year, everybody was stuck at home and we started compulsively cleaning out closets and giving stuff away that we, that we weren't using. And now I'm, I'm coaching people into, okay, Let's just keep this momentum going. We're still not completely opened up yet. Do you have the paperwork figured out? Let's just double check those beneficiary designations. I know, Megan, you always tell people to have a binder. And if it's something somebody should know, just get it in there. Before, there are all kinds of great um, software programs out there, right? But they were so detailed that the average person would want to get it done it's just so much work. And now, you know, everybody's motivated. Let's do what works for you. If you're, if you've got all your passwords here, or if you've got a rough balance sheet there, that's where we're starting. And we'll just layer on and layer on and have the, have the paperwork in order and then do those age appropriate conversations up and down the family tree. It, it works. And I, and I'm, I'm the same with you. I've noticed that people are just more open. I had a conversation with a couple of this just this week where he's been diagnosed with something not great. Well, in the past, our culture generally would call the financial planner after a funeral almost, as opposed to, we're hopeful, we're gonna beat this, but we wanna hear from you how it would work just in case. And the frank, honest, open up conversation, I just don't think, I. Um, I would have tried to have it with a client, but they brought it to me. And that's a big improvement. And I think a change that'll stay with us in a good way. But you, you've you earned your street cred over the years. So uh, and now you can apply all the things Karen and Megan were telling us. Uh, they're not in the rear view mirror, uh, but I think I need to look at this. Now, how receptive are they when you, and I won't say dig in, but how receptive are they to change when you say this really should be changed or this should be added? Uh, um, I think there are just so many great examples that happened in the last 12 months. You know, um, it was always hard to get people, if I just talk about the investing side of life for a minute here, it's always hard to get people who had done so well with stocks, uh, you know, you've 
if you're if you've got that million dollars in your thrift plan, you've been doing CSNI and you've been rewarded. The market goes down, you're buying more shares, the market goes up. You, you, every year you've got more and more in your thrift plan, your entire career, with the exception of 2008. So it's been hard to get them to realize you gotta take some money off the table before you spend it. You can't wait till the last minute and take it off the table. Um, and I think what the, the whole notion of rebalancing and being a little bit more um, nuanced with your what ifs uh, really is an easier conversation to see when they, they, they really did see how this pandemic is affecting so many people in a harsh way. And we're pretty darn fortunate here um, that we've been able to do some planning we're going to do, we're not going to get greedy. We're going to do some rebalancing now, right? Markets are up, won't always be up. You're healthy, may not always be healthy. Let's take that off the table a bit. And th that has been resonating more in the last 12 months than in the previous 12 years. That's what right? I was going to say. Did the questions get better as time went on during this period of time? Well, I think there was a for me there was a little bit of shell shocked. Um, you know, I, I I was I always felt like when I was on the phone with somebody, I was t talking to somebody who was in a closet with a blankets over their head and and um, just terrified, just absolutely terrified, and thinking we've got to sell everything and you know um, move to the hills and 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 hope um, uh, for the best. I hope that it's painless when I go, kind of thing, and it was really. Uh, more a matter of um, having to step by step assure them that hey I'm I'm okay you're okay we're we're okay and you know um, making sure they understood that if if you've got a paycheck and your health if you've got a pension check and your health this you are golden here and we could build from there now I think the questions are more um, very good uh, questions about well. Wait a minute. We got another tax law change. Should I be um, taking some money out of my 401k plan because the Secure Act told me I could, or the CARES Act told me I could? Do I, I, do I take an RMD or not? And the answer to those questions were always personal. There was not a one-size-fits-all answer to that, and it just highlighted how there's a ripple effect between tax law, investment strategy, personal goals that um, comes together in a really good way if you'll talk about the details um, and, and acknowledge that you might feel strongly one way uh, that's the opposite of somebody else. Let's get your plan in place. So as I listen to both, how does one get in touch? Megan? So we are both with Schaefer Financial in Rockville, Maryland, and the phone number is 301-933-5550. And then- Did I, I say 295s? No. Okay. I think you got that right. <laughs> and I always say Schaefer is spelled with every letter you can possibly put into it. So we're Googleable. You can find us. Okay. Well, very good. So we're, well, let's get back on, on, um, on uh, the educational part of the show. Um, so far, I can even understand it. So uh, <laughs> keep <laughs> well, it rolling. So, so one of the things that that happened, and it, it just came up um, for me the other day. I met a young um, guy who, by the time he gets out of medical school, is going to have five hundred thousand dollars worth of student loans, and that's almost uh, almost took my breath away. But he's a young guy, and he didn't know what he didn't know. He really thought that his loans would be forgiven because there's a lot of talk about loans being forgiven. And, you know, he's making some money with Bitcoin. So if he has all these loans and um, his starting salary as a physician um, is a fraction of, of what he owes, he'll be fine. And so it was a, a matter of um, giving him a little more life experience Experience. It didn't take long before the Bitcoin thing wasn't working for him um, to understand. Let's really see what these students' loans are going to do for you, uh, to you, and every decision you have to make. Let's have a plan B. Let's run a parallel path here, just in case your loans don't get forgiven, 
because your salary is too high or because it's an unfunded benefit and the or the third party administrator screws up and all the things that you and I have seen over the years where loans didn't get forgiven. Um, what's the parallel track on that? Because that we've, we've known for a long time that these student loans have kept people from launching and have kept um, financial plans from getting solid um, for and and it was a matter of um, even though there's a lot of money floating around with different stimulus packages. It doesn't mean until your loan is paid off, we have to assume you're paying it off. And the compromise was for him to at least figure out what the interest was going to be and have a little account where he would pay that and to look more at the fine print on the programs where he might be able to go serve in an underserved community and get some of his loans paid off. Or I've even worked with somebody who made their own deal like a, a small town doctor, loved all of his, uh, his patients, but had to retire. And he literally, that was on his own, worked out the deal where somebody could buy his practice. So thinking a little more creatively, but with the same basic premises that the loans aren't really gonna be a good idea. And how fast, and how fast did you look to have them paid back? I mean, do you set well, it up on a five-year plan, 10-year plan with that kind of debt? With that kind of debt, it was a, the, I thought his best case scenario, if he also wanted to eat and maybe um, <laughs> have a life, a little bit of a life, was going to be a 10-year plan. He was going into a specialty where you can make some money, but he's not there yet. I mean, he, it, that hasn't happened. And we all know that um, some Sometimes you, you need to change your mind on what's most, what you think you're going to love or what you think you're going to be able um, to do. And sometimes doors slam. And the, what really worries me is that um, you've got to pay those student loans off, even if you're not healthy. You know, if, uh, if you've got to pay those student loans off, even if um, in, in many cases, even if you're going through a bankruptcy. So I, I, what I didn't tell him is that I met another client who wanted to start a dating app for people who did not have student loans because she was tired of meeting <laughs> people who had so many loans, eight love grand. I cannot marry somebody with a half million dollars worth of debt. So. <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you do that diplomatically? I don't, well, yeah, that's, I, I can, I can talk pretty straight. Yeah. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, yeah. the, but the listeners might not. So, so one of the other things, though, that I, I thought um, was a lesson that we learned in financial planning regarding investment was if you're going to be a real estate um, investor, it, it, we can't just focus on the numbers. We got to make sure you've got the right temperament to be a real estate investor. Um, you know, if, if, there, if we have one more uh, reality show about buying and fixing up properties that uh, sort of... Um, makes everybody think that they can do it. What, what, what would you do when your tenant lost their job in a pandemic and you've got to pay that? Or now, any minute now, um, you can evict somebody. Can you really evict somebody? Uh, do you know what that means? And it's not just, do you have a good lawyer? It's, do you have the stomach for that? So I used to be able to explain to people from a numbers point of view, I want to see some flexibility in your financial plan for the what ifs of being a landlord, but it's also the temperament. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people were surprised by what happened to them emotionally during this pandemic. You know, that is it really your true colors or are you suffering from depression or, um, or, who's my partner? You're like, who did you become? It, it, it changed a lot of people emotionally. And it's that emotional IQ that we all need to be in touch with if we're going to be good investors. With regards to the changes that you made on, on the legal side or the financial side, um, would you find that, what percent would you say the people go, yeah, you're right. Give me, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent. It's not going to be 40%, but did, did they, uh, did they buy in? I think it's it's the majority. I think most of the people that, especially the ones that are actively seeking us out, are they already know they need a plan in place. And 
because we're getting honest, straightforward advice, and, and maybe it's not always the advice they want to hear, but on some level, they know that um, that this is really the, the professional advice. And if, if in, in every case, we're, we're looking at our clients with their best interest in mind. So um, I, I think we have a, a pretty high return rate on the... Uh, we do. I, I think, you know, where it's tricky sometimes for us as professionals um, giving advice and trying to get that advice um, implemented is when you're dealing with two people in one relationship and they're not necessarily on the same page, right? And neither Megan nor I have officially um, gone to, um, been trained in counseling and we, we both have to be able to spot pretty quickly when to bring somebody in, when this is not healthy behavior and this is, or this is not productive behavior, whether it's just a couple that's so annoyed with each other, they can't make a good decision or somebody, when they're not on the same page, um, it, there, are, there are tools out there that, that trained professionals um, can employ. And there are some now that even just specialize in money. Um, I think that's, that's where we have to be honest about where our expertise stops and, and another kind of profession has to come in. But if we're, if we're in our lane and, and people are asking us about financial planning questions or estate planning questions, I think they're ready to hear it now more than ever and, and get the decisions that, that need to be made. There was one of the bullet points, and, and I think you've touched on it, but taking money from uh, retirement plans is an expensive way to survive yeah. the pandemic. Um, how do you get across that hurdle? No, this is for later. Uh, I, I, yeah, it, it, well, you know, it's, it's one of those things, Bob, you've probably had to explain this many times. Just because tax law says I can do something doesn't mean it's a great idea. So just because I can deduct the interest on my mortgage doesn't mean I should always have the biggest mortgage, right? And this whole CARES Act that came out saying you can take $100,000 out of your retirement plan, um, for some people, it, it may have been the, um, the only choice they had. They're, they're financially, they lost jobs, they had to pay rent, they had to um, bring food into the household. But for anybody who kept a job, um, it was such a lost opportunity cost. And that's a financial planning concept that a lot of people don't think about. When I take some money out of my plan, even if I pay it back and my plan requires me to pay it back with a little interest, like the thrift savings plan, if I borrowed, took out the $100,000 um, and didn't have a penalty on it, what would that 100,000 have grown to? If I just left it alone in the 2065 fund, which is almost 99% stock, that 100 would have grown to 200, would have grown to 300 in my lifetime. That's a lost opportunity cost to solve a $100,000 problem today. And it would have been better for me to, well, maybe it's really only an $80,000 problem because I can tighten up or get rid of some discretionary spending. And maybe it's only a $60,000 problem because spread over two years, my income is going back up. And maybe if I just borrowed 50,000 from the credit union and paid it back with a little interest, I'll get this problem behind me for a few thousand dollars, maybe $10,000 instead of a lost opportunity cost of 300,000 because I borrowed the money. It's, it, it's, a, it's a classic um, financial planning misstep to hyper-focus on the decision right here today with a deadline and failing to see that ripple effect, right? So in financial planning, we try to train everybody. I, I don't care what the question is. Let's back it up, back it up, back it up and see what all the choices are. And then we have more confidence that, yep, we're on the right path here. Okay, I think it's time for a break. Let the people stop from taking good note and uh, we'll listen to what NITP can do for them. 
Who do you trust when making your most important decisions? National Institute of Transition Planning has been the trusted source for federal retirement planning, serving new, mid-career, and pre-retirement federal employees for more than 30 years. NITP's subject matter experts bring more than 800 years of collective expertise on federal benefits, financial, transition, and estate planning. Visit NITPinc.com. That's NITPinc.com to sign up for their free monthly newsletter and information about free webinars. Does planning for retirement seem like a daunting task? Is retirement years away? It will arrive sooner than you think. Prepare now to stay on track. Join the thousands of federal employees and retirees who have already attended National Institute of Transition Planning's free monthly webinars to learn more about retirement and financial planning. NITP is the national leader and trusted source for federal retirement information. Visit NITPinc.com to sign up for NITP's free monthly newsletter and webinar. Welcome back to the final leg of today's show, August 2nd, 2021, and we're talking with the Schaefers. Karen Schaefer, certified financial planner, Megan Schaefer, estate planning attorney. So heading to the home stretch, uh, where are we going next? So one of the things that happened right before the pandemic, um, the, the SECURE Act, the end of, of 2019, and a little provision in there made me have to talk to my estate planning attorney, hey Megs, um, what is this? We can no longer do the IRA stretch uh, over the lifetime of a beneficiary. So if I died um, and my husband Rick is my beneficiary, right, we always knew that spouses could kind of do whatever made sense. They could make it their own IRA and stretch it over their lifetime or we had, we had lots of choices. But we all know Rick would die moments later brokenhearted, and now it goes to the kids. And kind of out of nowhere, the, uh, the there's no more stretching. There's like, you got 10 years, and you got to take the money out. And um, so I had to, you know, kind of, we had to put our heads together and say, is there strategy here that we're not thinking about from the financial planner's point of view? I knew, well, okay, well, let's divide between the kids and if, uh, or the, ne the next generation and, and see if you're in a high tax bracket, maybe we will take it out over time. If you're in a low tax bracket, maybe you're in grad school, maybe we'll take it out then. Um, people get tempted to do um, the, the um, plan, try to plan ahead for their kids, which is never mine, but let's, you know, this is your money, let's let it fall. But then you also had to think about um, especially when we almost always recommend that the beneficiary for the next generation be a trust, did the language hold up? Right. And so the, and really the language does hold up so long as we're using what's called see-through provisions. And a see-through provision is the trust is basically language that says we're going to look at the ages of the beneficiary that this trust was made for. We're not just the trust itself isn't, um, doesn't qualify for the stretch provisions or for, for we're looking through the trust to see who the beneficiaries are of this trust are and using those, those ages and, and those people. And, and really from an estate planning perspective, we're still able to keep this money protected for minor children. Yes, we may be losing the ability to um, keep it in our IRA or TSP for an extended period of time, as long of a period of time as we used to. But when we take those distributions, we can absolutely still keep them in trust and not have these wild um, tax, you know, horrible tax implications, so long as we have see-through provisions. So you're going to say wild kids having parties and buying expensive cars. Well, that too, we don't want that either. Okay. But we, we don't have to have these horrible tax consequences um, just because we're getting a trust involved. There's absolutely very standard language that we can include in our trust to make this possible. One of this, this really is one of the huge reasons though, why people should not be doing estate planning on their own, why they shouldn't be using um, things that they can find online or, or just following kits or different things. You do need a professional involved with these sorts of things because this is one of the areas that you know what, there are a few nitty gritty sticking points that do make huge financial implications for the family. And if you don't understand when you're going 
if you're trying to do this online by yourself, if you're just following kits and a question, checking a box here or there, it, you're you're missing a lot of these tax um, implications. And they're nuanced a little bit state they're, by state. They're incredibly nuanced. So I had a great story. A, a client called and said, oh, by the way, we're putting our house on the market. We thought we lived in a $600,000 house in the D.C. area. I think we're going to get over 800000 and we're moving. And I said, whoa, wait, wait a minute here. I thought we agreed you were going to work another couple of years. Oh, no, I've got permission to work remotely. So all of a sudden, not only is there a, almost a quarter of a million dollars more on the balance sheet, they're moving to the Midwest and the living is, is a lot less expensive. So they were like, this is all great. This is all great. This is all great. And it is all great, but I've got to put on your list of things to do. Contact the attorney who did your estate planning and make sure they know that you're moving. They may be licensed in a random Midwest state. I doubt it. Um, they so you know make make sure that you're working with them and an attorney who has passed the bar in this in your new home state to update your estate planning documents since you're you're out of here, right? Um, it it's not something everybody thinks about, but it's certainly something that's easy to accomplish, and then it means your plan stays right on track. When you lay out what they should or uh, haven't done, what do you? Is there a common um, issue that they uh, that folks either don't look at or look at and go, "No, we'll kick the can down the road." One of the things I'm seeing a lot is with regards to um, estate planning documents for our young adults, and specifically, one of the things that's come up a lot in this past year and a half with this pandemic are medical directives for mm -hmm. our very young adults and our college kids. Mm -hmm. And when I meet with parents that have kids in college or are about to be going off to college, one of the first things I say to them is, you know, we also need to be um, making sure we have medical directives and financial powers of attorney for in place to protect these kids. And one of the things that unfortunately way too many parents have had to go through during this um, pandemic is if, you're, if your kid is in college and they get diagnosed with COVID and they're over the age of 18, you as a parent really don't have access to their medical documents at all. I mean, God forbid they get hospitalized and and, and are on the ventilator. You, if, if they do not have a medical directive in place or a, a, um, a waiver waiving their, their privacy rights under HIPAA laws saying that their doctors can share their medical information with you, as their parent, you're going to receive very little information. And this is something that parents don't realize when they're thinking about, oh, my kid just turned from 17 to 18. What's the difference? I've been driving this kid to their pediatrician and their doctor their whole lives. Um, but that that birthday does have very real um, legal implications. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it, especially in the, in the medical world this year. I, I met somebody when we used to do live classes and I was giving an example like this and he took me aside at the break. His son, a college athlete, had been injured at practice and it was a head injury and was literally in brain surgery as the dad is arriving at the hospital. The kid was 19 years old. Three days in the ICU, the dad is sitting in that uncomfortable chair Nobody would make eye contact with him. No surgeon, no hospital administrator, no um, personnel, nurses, staff, until he came out of his medically induced coma and could indicate, yes, I want my dad in the room for this conversation. Now, it has a happy ending. The kid recovered fully. Um, I'm pretty sure dad lost a couple of years off his life, but, and dad still had to pay, right? He was the um, kid was under the age of, of 26, so he still covered on dad's insurance, but he was the one who made me, with every single client and every single class I teach, tell exactly this part of estate planning. 18th birthday, happy birthday. You got to get these documents signed, right? <laughs> Before the party or after? <laughs> ideally, <laughs> ideally for breakfast, yeah. All righty, we're coming to the uh, final stretch. Um, if we were looking at, uh, what would we got? Nine minutes left, Andrew? Uh-oh, Andrew says six. <laughs> Anywho, um, 
What would what would be the 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 main thing you would like to get across to the folks today? I mean, you got a lot of things. I couldn't pick one to be the best versus not, or better yet, what surprises you the most when somebody comes in and you think, well, these are pretty sharp people, and they just don't have a clue about something. I I just um, I think the most important thing that we're doing right now is reassuring people that even though we're planners and and limited by um, um, our inability to see clearly the future, that it's it's just so um, gratifying to have a solid base that withstands life's what ifs. And it isn't just bad news that we're preparing for. I think people have been a little overwhelmed with the bad news. So let's be prepared for when life gives us a wonderful opportunity to do an incredible trip uh, to a destination wedding, perhaps on Lake Como, or to, <laughs> that, that we're going to make this plan stay on track. And that I, I think I've, we've been, what may have surprised me, Bob, is how much coaching we're doing to get people to really embrace the you only live once um if you come back make it a pleasant surprise kind of thing and <laughs> and are you really in this day in this moment feeling as confident as we can can and if not let's outline the steps that'll get you there so it's really been um a a, a part of financial planning that we're never taught, you know, how do you get people to enjoy each moment of, of each day and have confidence about their plan? But it's been the message from the pandemic, right? And I would say, if you're looking at your financial plan, if you're looking at, if you're considering, well, wait a minute, what what is going to happen if I become incapacitated? What is going to happen if I pass away? And you're if you're thinking about those things and, and you are feeling that sense of fear or that sense of anxiety or that worry, don't let that stop you from moving forward with the plan. It's it's the client's job to know that that there's an issue that they want to solve. It's not their job to know the solution. That's what the professionals are for. So I see a lot of people become very hesitant to approach an estate planning attorney or pro- approach a financial planner because they're worried that you know they'll think, well, I if I die, you know, I don't know who um, should be in charge of administering my estate. So because they they get fixated on that one issue, they avoid the topic altogether. Well, any trained professional who works in these fields will be able to coach you through that, will be able to help you weigh the pros and cons. So if a client comes into my office and, and they say, I don't know what I'm doing here, here's all of my problems, I say, great, you're in the right place. Could I ask a favor? Could we have the contact point once again? <laughs> Yes, we are Megan and Karen Schaefer with Schaefer Financial in Rockville, Maryland. And our phone number is 301-933-5550. And that's Schaefer Financial with all the letters you can get in Schaefer. All nine of them. Wow. Okay, Karen, I'm sorry. I just had to do this before Andrew said it's too late. I got it. Yeah. Um, the... the um, the nicest thing that I, I think um, has happened is people really, really are able to enjoy, the, have the confidence of their, their financial plan, right? In, in a way that um, I just had to keep telling them, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna be fine. But when you can withstand um, social unrest, pandemic, uh, all the other, um, nightmares of, of 2020, that you know that now it's time to enjoy. Now time to feel, pat yourself on the back, be a little proud of some of these decisions you make. And let's teach the next generation coming up. It, it's, I, we always have said that if in your financial, if, if in your family tree, there's a weak twig or branch, it's going to affect you. So I think now we, we are, um, even more motivated to think through the family tree a little bit and lead by example, um, try to instill some of this basic financial planning, stay out of crazy debt, do, um, uh, 
save for the future, but enjoy today and get those habits in throughout because we all know now that it really does work. Megan, when we talk finances, which we've talked a lot about, we've talked um, legalese and whatnot, what do you find, uh, if you could impart to the folks when they meet with you, what should they think about before they meet with you? So I love it when a client comes to my office and they just have a list of everything they own. And I don't necessarily need um, exact numbers or figures. It can be ballparks, but just show me a list of all of your accounts. Do you own them in your own name? Do you own them jointly with a spouse? And track down who the beneficiaries are on your retirement plans. And if you can tell me that, you are already way ahead of the game. Almost home. And then the other thing I always say before people are paying hourly fees, um, try to think about your team, right? Who would be your first and second choice? Even if it's not ideal and it's not perfect, that's when you say to the the, the lawyer who's seen it all, um, I, I my family tree is twig-like and I don't have, I don't, I, I, I just couldn't trust my sister to do this. Um, she's lovely, but then the attorney can kind of walk you through how to find the right person and can also coach you into, this is the right person for right now, but we'll change it. So assets and right. chain of command, I would say, would be exactly. the two things. Yeah. Who should be in charge? Okay, and uh, Andrew says we got one minute, so. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, yeah, well, you know what I would do with one minute is just um, say thank you to people for being so resilient and ask um, anybody who has a financial planning or an estate planning question to just get it on the list of things that you're going to get done by the end of the month, right? Give yourself a little bit of a deadline uh, because there's no need to worry about this stuff. If it's messy, we know how to make it orderly. If it's frightening, we know how to say, yeah, you're right, but let's see what the action items are. So um, this, the. Financial planning works. Estate planning is essential, and anybody can get that done. Okay. I think it's time that uh, we call it a morning. Thank you ever so much. It was great. I'm, I'm staring at the two of you. It's a great tag team, the way you have it. The way you, I don't think you rehearse it. It's just it comes no, out. No, it would be terrible if we rehearsed it. Come on, Bob. Okay. Well, just in case the people that don't know you. All right. Thanks, and uh, let's do it again, huh? All right. Thanks so much, Bob. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to For Your Benefit, presented by NITP and sponsored by WEPA. Please tune in next Monday at 10 a.m. for a topic solely devoted to you, the federal employee. This show can also be heard on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search For Your Benefit. Thanks for listening.